When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. First game of the season under the belt, onwards and upwards, and we'll talk about some uh, transfers as well. Potential. Um, Thank you for downloading us, first and foremost, wherever you're listening to this. Thank you very much for your company and your support. And that goes, of course, for everything um, under the Blood Red banner, uh, including Ali LaRouge as well, and all the other ones as well. They're all brilliant, brilliant podcasts. Uh, thank you for staying with us. We are joined by, well, we've got old and new here, and I don't mean in ages, I mean in just experience. You know, we've got a Hendo and an Endo, if you like. Um, the Hendo, Joe Rimmer. How are you, Joe? I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Good to see you, my friend. Good to speak to you. Now, how many seasons have we been doing this together now? Oh, long time, mate, isn't it? It's been a long time, hasn't it? Five? It must be, mate. It must be. It must be. It must be. And, and long may it continue, mate. Um, and joining him, making his debut, the endo of the squad, uh, Stephen Killen. How are you, Steve? I'm good. Very good. It's a pleasure to be on. Looking forward to um, a long season ahead. And I hope we've got, like you and Joe, five seasons of um, poetry to come. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Absolutely, kids. Well, let's start with the first game of the season, then, shall we? Bournemouth at home. Um you know, an expecting crowd. Obviously, we, we, we'd had the Caicedo and the the, the, the the transfer kind of... Well, it was a nightmare, wasn't it, Joe? Let's be honest with you. Badly handled, badly organised. Um, uh, FSG showing their hand last minute with a load of money and, and uh, Caicedo decides he'd rather go to Chelsea and have an absolute stinking to get give away a pen. Um, but uh, just talking about the Reds, we end up... Um, going out there and it was three points made to the end of the day joe three points positive first home game a little nervy though to start wasn't it my friend and not not the most convincing um of performances but hopefully onwards and upwards yeah i mean a strange start wasn't it and i think a lot has been said i mean we were speaking on one of the other pods about how much everyone sort of concentrated on the start rather than the finish um but you know i think the first thing i'd say is first of all bournemouth are a better team than Certainly the best team, the one that we beat 9-0 <laughs> this time last season. Um, and I think they'll be a, a decent enough force in the Premier League this term. I don't see them being in like deep relegation trouble like they were for most of last season. So they're not the same side. But it, Liverpool just seem to be a bit sloppy and a, a bit dozy, really, in, in the opening sort of part of the game. Um, and then when they woke up, the one thing about this Liverpool team, and I, and I keep thinking this at the moment, is that they remind me very much of 17-18 They've got as much firepower as anyone in Europe, you know, and and there won't be many teams, Bournemouth included, that can that can live with them when they when they sort of are on the ball and and they're, they're having wave after wave of attack. But I think we're going to have to accept that there's going to be sloppy moments, hairy moments, poor performances, leads thrown away, and Liverpool are going to get turned over at times because I think they're back at the start and they need to sort of stabilise themselves again, but. They've got five forwards there that, that match up to anyone. And 
I was never really that worried to go down, but I, but I just thought they'll just keep attacking them until we score goals. And I don't think this is a Liverpool team that I hope I don't not proven wrong by by Newcastle at the weekend, but that will will go into many games and not score. So I, I was all right with it. I thought I thought they would score. I thought they would get through, and, and I thought they deserve. I think they deserve more credit than they're getting perhaps for for playing the last twenty five minutes or so. With um with ten men and, and and getting through and win the game without without conceding another goal, so yeah, um, it's three points, isn't it? And I think Newcastle at the weekend is 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 a bigger test of where where they're at because um, because I, I think a point, point at Chelsea and a win over Bournemouth is pretty good, and that that's what you, you'd ask for so far. Yeah, absolutely. And stay. I mean, it was a two-two. Well, it was it was a two-two draw with um with Fulham this time last year, the first one of our first matches. So. And also get a better better outfit. I think I think they're, they're obviously um, Bournemouth. Bournemouth are a better, much better outfit anyway, as as Joe's just said. And and uh, and Liverpool just just a little bit sloppy, a little bit first twenty minutes, a little bit shaky. Um, I think Konate uh, was a monster again. I think he's been powerful. There's some great pluses, some some interesting. You know, Slobislaw was was fantastic as well. Some real positives to take from it. Just certainly felt uh, to me, Stephen, like there were too many moments where second balls weren't getting picked up. Just a bit of lethargy, a uh, bit of bit, bit, bit slow to react, and, and that centre of the park is still uh, an area that we really, really need to be tightening up on. And hopefully, we're going to be doing something about that soon. But just that middle of the park area again is that area, isn't it, where we we're losing possession of the ball, and and then it gets a little bit frustrating. But uh, Good performances by by the team all round, really, and particularly as as Joe said when they went down to ten men. Yeah, I think it's part of the cause with the midfield, isn't it? Especially when you're sort of throwing everyone together. You've got a you've got a, a centre forward playing left side of the midfield, and you've got a traditional probably number eight playing as a six. You're going to probably have them moments where you do get the the patchy moments, and where especially with Gakpo doesn't really know whether to come or go. Um, I think it's just it's one of them things where it's the creases that sort of need ironing out, which probably you would have liked to have done, or at least Klopp would have liked to have done in Ju- July, June, when he first got back for pre-season. But when you're patching the midfield up like this, I think you're always going to be quite sluggish. But I think, especially with the introduction of Endo, the more he sort of gets acclimatised to the system and the, the league or whatever, I think Liverpool will start sweeping up that a lot better. And I think the fluidity and uh, cohesion will soon, um, soon shine through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's that age-old question that has been for the last couple of seasons. And what do you do with a problem like Trent? Um, he's he's left and right-footed, one of the best footballers in the game. His his vision is incredible. But from the kickoff against Bournemouth, he, he was he was he wasn't really right back, was he? He's in that position now where I don't think he wants to be there. Now he's just started drifting into midfield. He did that odd thing right near the top, right, right first minute of the game when when Bournemouth scored, which was clearly his error that he had made absolutely no. He didn't seem to take any culpability for it whatsoever. And I found, you know, Trent on his day is incredible. There's no doubt about it. But I find that the, 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 the time and time again that for every couple of games where he's great, he has these sort of lethargic. He didn't seem to be on the pace at all against Bournemouth, Joe. I, I felt like. There was that jogging back thing going on. I mean, when he got injured, he did what he did against Fulham the first game of the season. In fact, we conceded a goal then. A ball was knocked to the back post and he didn't jump. He just stayed on his feet. 
the, the defender in front, they scored from it last year. I don't know if it was Mitrovic or somebody scored from it last year. Yeah, but but, but uh, he, uh, their attacker jumped. He never, and the attacker landed on his foot. But there was no. He does a thing sometimes where he just turns his shoulder and allows them to jump over the top of him. And it's. I just found, and I'm, and I'm increasingly finding Joe that there is a real dilemma going on about what we do with him because I don't think he wants to be a right back anymore. I think he wants to be more defensive in the midfield. But I don't think he has, other than the pass, other than that beautiful cross, that incredible pass. I don't think he has necessarily what it takes to be a strong midfield player either. So it's. It's a tricky dilemma, isn't it? He doesn't show the the attacking prowess of a of a midfielder. He doesn't show the the get stuck in kind of tackling abilities of a midfielder. He's got a beautiful ball, and we know that. But is he still not more dangerous whipping them balls in? Where do we play him, Joe? It's all about balance, isn't it? And one thing I find quite interesting is that Klopp's tried him at right back, and he's obviously tried him in in, in um, this new formation as a bit of a hybrid. But he just doesn't seem and never has seemed willing to try him as an out-and-out midfielder. There's something that he doesn't see in Trent playing as a normal midfielder. Whether he just feels that Liverpool don't have a right-back anywhere near as good as him or they couldn't buy a right-back anywhere near as good as him so he doesn't want to move him there. Or whether he feels that the Trent, and this, this is my slight problem with Trent, is that he's very casual at times, like you just mentioned. He seems to sort of, you know, have lapses of concentration, which he did at the start against Bournemouth. He doesn't seem to switch on quite quickly in, in games. But but it's difficult because his, his ability on the ball is, is second to none. And he, he's one of the best passers probably in world football when, when, um, when he has a bit of time and space to play. So whether Klopp thinks this is the best use of him because when he drifts in there, he tends to have a bit more time. But whether teams have worked that out and are closing him down quicker... Um, I think will will sort of become apparent over the next several games. There's been a bit of talk. I spoke to a couple of mates who said, "Oh, you know, they'd, they'd like to see the back of that formation." Um, which, on one hand, I understand it does have its problems. It exposes Trent sometimes, and certainly exposes Liverpool down on on the right and on the left. But but then they have played what 15 games now. They're unbeaten in it. They've won the majority of them, 13 or so. So, I mean, the, the results are there, aren't they? It's just. You know, I was chatting to a Newcastle fan yesterday about the weekend, saying, what do you think? And and my big worry is I just feel like Liverpool are wide open. And even if they get a couple of goals, I'd just be I'd be absolutely stunned if Newcastle don't score at least twice on, on Sunday. And that that's not good, is it? So maybe it's just finding the balance and maybe maybe with Endo coming in and playing and getting used to the system, then Trent has the protection. And, and we're not we're not worrying so much, but I don't know. Right now, I just don't feel like the balance is there, and I don't think the balance helps Trent. Um, so it's a real, it's a hard one. It's a, it's, it's it's a hard dilemma, and I don't really know what I'd do. I'd like to see them just try him in midfield. I'd like to see it once or twice and just see see how he plays. But I suppose that then you you create a transfer problem, don't you? Where you think, well, Liverpool probably need to go out and buy a right back, but. You know, would would you you know next home game play Joe Gomez and it right back and, and start Trent in midfield with Endo and and you know perhaps Subos lying there or McAllister? I don't know. Um, it's a really tough one and I can't make my mind up. So you know, I think it's up to the manager to make his mind up. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, it's, it is a different. It's an absolute dilemma, Stephen, isn't it? Because 
Um, I think the, the 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 problem is that is that when he it's not so much that he wanders forward, it's it's the time he takes to wander back, and that that I think that's the problem. There's a lot of there's a lot of weight put on the shoulders of of um, of Canate, isn't it? And and he has been he, he was he's been up to it for Chelsea, and he was up for it. I thought he was outstanding against Bournemouth, lovely on the ball, very strong. He has the odd little push in him that he that may that may catch up with him. He, he can sometimes be a little bit aggressive. Um, a knack in the area can cause problems. Depends on who happens to be bloody well referee in the game. But I just feel like um, I just feel that like sometimes Trent could help himself by just getting back quicker. I think he just decides that, that oh, if I wander forward, that position is going to be covered. Whether that's something in coaching that it, the, the club says to the players and, and and the back three are just happy to and Canati in particular are just happy to pick up the pieces, but. That can't fail, but to, to just open up channels for, for, for really, really good opposition, can it, Stephen? I think it's got to that point now where, where we talk about first name on the team sheet. I think what's what clubs are, that's the first thing they're pointing out now, where Liverpool are going to be defensively susceptible to balls in behind on that right right side. And I agree with the points Joe and yourself have made about the whole stuff with if you leave them in defence, what happens? But I struggle to see how Liverpool can cope with Houghton at right back in the same way who's going to sort of combine with Salah in that, that right-side role. Um, it's just difficult to see where Liverpool can defensively cope without him, which if you get an out-and-out defender in there, you probably will like, be OK too. But I think going forward, he's such a key cog, especially in that midfield where he sort of drifts in. But like you said, I think Liverpool being so careless in midfield, um, and especially in attack, if they're not swarming quick enough, that's the immediate ball over the top. And I think... More and more, we're going to see Liverpool sort of get exposed by it. And I'm, I'm with you, Neil, where Trent is sort of looking sluggish and getting back. And you saw the question why. And then you see, like, as a Canate and Van Dyke getting pulled apart and pulled out of position and just increasing the gaps that seems to run in behind. It seems like a, a massive problem that Liverpool know about, but don't really seem to know how to solve it at the minute. Yeah, I mean, we'll look at the other two midfield positions there that we were interested in before Endo came on. Obviously, it was McAllister and Zlobislav. Zlobislav, very, very busy, very, very strong. Um, I was at a thing uh, last week um, before the season started. It was a, it was a, uh, it was basically the uh, the third kit announcement. It was the purple kit kind of thing, the photo shoot that the players were at. And later on in the night, we had a we had a boss night there that was. Um, it was just me being interviewed with John Barnes by Peter Hooten and then we had the kit thing and Slobislaw was there and uh, and it's not till he's standing up alongside them fellas who you realise just how big and tall and strong that lad is but very very quick got around the pitch did a really good job I think McAllister is also very very good and, and um, uh, strong in his position but they are clearly two midfield players who want to go forward aren't they they're two midfield field players who want to just try and blare that line between the front three and, and midfield and try and Either have a go themselves or or knock little passes through, which means that we still are missing that key figure, aren't we? Um, you know, we'll talk about the sending off of you know what shouldn't have been the sending off in a second, but um, Endo seems to be that kind of player, Joe. That when he came on, what I really what I really liked about him is he didn't try to do anything other than what his job role is, which is just sitting back, trying to break down attacks. And trying to start off attacks from 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 just before the front four there wasn't he and, and and there was no he didn't really look to me like someone who's desperate to get into the box knows exactly what's asked for looks like he knows exactly what's going to be asked of him and that's the kind of person we need Joe isn't it and some or even if he is a bit of a stopgap and someone who can 
yeah. fill a squad. That position, when the ball bounces so many times in, in, in the centre circle and there's no one picking it up, uh, we need that that Fabinho role, don't we? We need that person who's just going to do it. No nonsense, exactly what it says in the tin, and get the job moving. Yeah, well, he takes some boxes, doesn't he, for me, in terms of experience. Uh, I keep saying this, you know, I think there's this obsession now in terms of, like, fans want transfers, and you, and you, you almost buy into, like, it's a new thing, isn't it? Like, 20... 23 and under with resale value as if as if we care whether a player has I mean I suppose when they have resale value that tends to mean that they they get better and, and end up if they're worth a lot of money then then that that's good for the club isn't it in terms of they, they're obviously playing well but but what I like about Endo is he comes in he's 30 he's got experience he's captain his country he's captain his club um, he's played in the big league he's had Bad experiences, good experiences. And, and I think that's good for Liverpool. I don't think they've got a great deal of experience. The other thing I've noticed that he's quite good in the air, which, I mean, Liverpool just need more and more physical players at the moment. They're going to come up against a lot of physical teams, so that's good. And obviously, Fabinho um, was a tall lad who was who was pretty able in the in the air. Um, and then, like you've just said, and, and I think Klopp said, didn't he, that he just keeps things simple. He just passes the ball from A to B. He doesn't try fancy things. And, and like you said, he, it's all about balance. And the two midfielders next to him, McAllister's passing looks like as good as anyone. I mean, the pass for, for Salah on the opening day against Chelsea was just fizzed. One of the best passes you'll see really all season already. Um, I thought that was brilliant. Um, and then Sabozlai seems someone who can dribble with it, who's, who can affect things in the final third. He seems physically really, really able. So it's about balance. And if Endo can just... Break play up, win headers, win tackles, and then play it to the other two. That seems on paper to work, doesn't it? So I don't know. I I, I wasn't. There was quite a lot of people after they signed Endo that you know you go from Caicedo, one hundred and fifteen or one hundred eleven million for Liverpool, British record, show of ambition, beating Chelsea to it, Premier League proven, and a lot of excitement to a sixteen million pound Japanese international who many people hadn't heard of and, and played for Stuttgart and, and was 30. And I think people people took that pretty badly at first. And whether they're coming around to it, I think is all right. But but I, I, I just think it's all about what Liverpool do next. And I don't necessarily mean this summer, but just whether they sign another couple of people and whether they plan big in the next coming windows, I think um, I think we'll make up for it. But I'm all right with the end of signing. I think... I'm glad that they've signed someone of experience. I'm glad that they've got someone in. I'm glad that they've thought short-term and not just long-term. Because in in the past, my big worry was Liverpool would go, you know what, we can't get a midfielder. Let's wait till next year. And we know what happens when they do that. They've done that far too many times. So I'm really excited to see him play. I've got a feeling he will just start at Newcastle and um, they'll trust him to, to go straight in. Speaks good English as well, doesn't he? And so does Sabozlai. Um I'm sure you, you managed to see him on stage and stuff. He seems to be a confident lad, doesn't he, Neil, who speaks English. So that works. And, and so does McAllister. So, you know, they can hit the ground running, hopefully. Um, and that's exciting. So I'm really keen to see him play. And he just seemed to come on and steady the ship a little bit at the weekend as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Stephen, I think, um, obviously, with Hendo going and with, uh, and, uh, with Milner going, um, there, there was a feeling that that sort of the motivator in, 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 on the field uh, has gone. I did feel a little bit of that at, at the weekend. I was watching 
Van Dijk, who's obviously, you know, you know, he's a Rolls Royce of a player, isn't he? But he's not um he's not a shouter, is he? He's not a he doesn't feel to me someone who can who can who can get weird up to, to the front and middle of the pitch. I noticed he had a few little runs with Robbo uh off the ball where they were cut kind of you know, sort of blaming each other for, for little situations. That was getting a little bit heated. I do wonder whether we are losing that that shot. I mean, I'm really speaking. You know, you, your motivation should come from all over the pitch, not just the captain nowadays. It's it's more of a it's more of a team captaincy, isn't it? it should be, I think. But um, we're definitely going to need that little bit of motivation, aren't we? Someone to do it, whether or not it's McAllister. Do they all speak good English? They can all get the they can all get their words over if they need to. Their point of view, and we need that. I think we need that little bit of uh, that that little bit of uh, encouragement, don't we, from the pitch, just to keep keep people up. We'll talk about. Um, We'll talk about McAllister now because the the moment that I know he'd left of, you know, we went into a challenge and stuff, but it's getting to be a bit of a problem here now with Mr. Tierney, isn't it? If there wasn't before, and we weren't all obvious with it. There, you've got a a straight red card that is then sent to VAR, who happens to be controlled by Mr. Tierney, um, who watches that in slow motion from several angles, decides that the referee's got it right, and allows a three match ban that the FA just immediately rescind when an appeal goes in. So, what does that tell us about what VAR and, and, and more in particular, who's at the helm of VAR uh, and the abilities they've got to, to influence a match? Now, is that not what VAR is just doing? Is handing more uh, devices for more people's opinions on a football match? Because that wasn't a red card. We knew it wasn't a red card. They decided it was a red card on the pitch. The VAR decided to say, yes, it is a red card. And then the FA drop it. Uh, and one that Mr. T, you know, the likes of Paul Tini have got to be held to account for these kind of things now, surely. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, you've got to be careful what you're saying and what you've got to imply, but it, it's it's bored and ridiculous now, isn't it? The fact where you, can, you can't really raise your foot above a certain foot high almost now, isn't it? But it was almost the same. Same thing as like a goalkeeper getting closed down. If you catch someone on the foot, is that going to be a red card for closing someone down? But it's getting to the point where it, you're sort of struggling, and it's going to. It's been a debate for many years saying it's contact leaving the sport, and I think we're getting to that point now where you can't go up for headers with players, you can't shoulder barge, you can't even leave a foot in at this stage. So it begs the question with VAR. I think you've got to be stricter, but you've also got to. Set the president, and you've set the president now. So if you're doing that every week, there's going to be red cards. I think it's from like 50 percent of games last week, and have red cards, and so it's going to it's going to become unfathomable the um, the amount of things we're going to see, and the amount of dismissals. But they're sort of bringing it upon themselves. They're not coming out and explaining the decisions. I think we had to chase up VAR eventually on Saturday and got a got a resolution or at least an, ex- an explanation. But it sort of diminishes the responsibility of the referees if they're sending people off and then within. 72 hours has been rescinded so something's got to be said from the top um but you you begs the question what what football's going to if you're getting red cards like that week in week out can i, yeah. can I just say sorry neil can i just say a, a couple of things on this just first of all on tierney um my issue with this is like it's like anything it's human nature isn't it like let's say i i manage steve and steve makes complaints and says that i'm too harsh a manager with steve there's like two ways I could go. I could go, right, well, that's not true. So I'm going to show him that it's not true and just carry on treating him and, and, and almost get harsher because because I'm trying to overcompensate for, to show that I, you know, I'm, um, I'm not going to treat him any different. Or I go the other way and go easy on him. 
And I think the problem with having Tierney repeatedly on Liverpool games now is that whatever happens, you know, he's going to be under scrutiny, isn't he? And I, it wouldn't surprise me at the weekend if that decision's come through and they've thought, mm, maybe not, but Tierney doesn't want to be seen to go easy on Liverpool, so overturn a red card on Liverpool, so doesn't get involved. I mean, I don't know, we're second-guessing. You, you've got to be careful. I'm not I'm not saying that this definitely happened, but he obviously, it obviously is human nature to overthink these things. So, I... It's a difficult one because I I get why they don't want to take him off because if taking him off is is a show of of like yeah we haven't done that right but they've definitely taken referees off off certain teams before we we know with Mark Clappenberg they took him off Everton for some incidents in a derby in two thousand seven for a long time but you know I, I just think Tierney and Liverpool need a bit of a break because the scrutiny is under every single time rightly or wrongly every single time Liverpool play has got to affect his decision making. And the other thing is just I hate VAR. And I think VAR makes everything. If if there wasn't VAR on Saturday, that red card happens. We all say it's harsh. We all get annoyed with the referee, but the FA overturn it. And there isn't this added layer of you still had two other people watch that again and still say that it was a red card. It's happening every week and VAR doesn't get involved because they go, oh, it's not clear and obvious. And they can hide behind that clear and obvious thing all day, every day. It's not an exact science. So VAR cannot constantly intervene and it, it just makes things makes things harder doesn't it makes things harder well like, they can't constantly intervene to keep getting it wrong I mean the Man United Onana challenge uh, last week was clearly a penalty the, 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 and that is the problem with that is that that's not that's when you want VAR to come in but you want VAR to come in and say ref you've made a mistake because we're watching this and we can see that it's quite clearly not what you've given Paul Taney you know let a challenge from from um, from Harry Kane against Andy Robertson uh, in the last Spurs game, it was last season, wasn't it? Where he just went right through him. He went right through Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson had to lift that, sort of karate his way out of the. He still went over the top of him. It was an absolutely disgraceful challenge. He didn't even get a yellow card for it. And he was on the pitch then, Tierney. Um, so you're right. I think I think the answer is get him off these matches because he's not doing any good. Uh, you can't win either way. But, the, you know, I, I don't think he'd be accused of going soft. I think he just is clearly, you know, outlined the fact that uh, Jürgen Klopp has had the um, the temerity to to call him out, and he doesn't like it. But he needs to be away from them. It'd be and, and and there needs to be clearly better decisions made because that left us, you know, fifty eight minutes in. One of our star signs has gone. We've got another half an hour to go um, on ten men, and like you say, you know, we. we, we that's all overlooked in the final result. The fact that we did battle through with 10 men and ended up extending the lead. But, um, you know, the mistake is ridiculous. Let's move on from that then and just look at what possibilities Liverpool are going to have uh, in the remaining transfer window to try and secure that. We've got Endo, Endo and he looked good and we're made up with him. I'm really pleased with him. I think you're right, Joe. I think he should immediately start against Newcastle. Um, I think I pref- personally would prefer... Uh, Trent, as you go back to right back for now, and then do his wandering, but but just have cover. I mean, that's that seems to me the the thing. But um, of who's about Stephen, the names the Liverpool are getting linked with. Um, well, obviously we've got Ando Amrabat, Gravenberg, Decore, Toram, Kone. These are all names that haven't been thrown off the uh, off the list yet. Um, who would you particularly like to see? Because we definitely. You know, Endo might be a worldie, and, and let's hope so, and, he, and a tremendous sign, and I think he's probably going to be a good sign anyway, but you get the feeling that there's one more piece of the puzzle there, and uh, if that piece is missing, who would you like to fill it yourself, Stephen? 
Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? How long is a piece of string? Who who can you sign and who's available for the right price? I think we've seen how expensive these players are. And obviously, like you said at the beginning, they've sort of shown the hand with how much they've got. But I think, just touching upon the McAllister red cards, I think we sort of seen or we had the prospect of what it would be like without him, with Endo or without him. So sort of midfield options are already limited. Um, so I think we probably look to go for someone who's a bit more like versatile. So you, so you're not sort of bringing McAllister back into the six and maybe restricting him and limiting him for his qualities. So I think for the experience, probably go for Decore or maybe like Gravenberch to who can sort of fluctuate between the two positions. But I'll probably hang my hat on Gravenberch. The only sort of drawback is the fact he's not had many minutes. He's struggling to get game time at Bayern Munich. And if you're not getting in there, sort of begs the question. But if he's at a reasonable price where we're not seeing nor for 50 to 70 million for a midfielder who may only play a bit part role. And I think, I think he's probably the best option. I mean, the thing is, Joe, I mean, you know, Tuchel's come out and said, look, there's no, um, you know, it, it's no uh, conspiracy against Gravenberg why he hasn't played him. It's very, he made a very interesting point, Joe, where, where, where Tuchel said, um, all it is, is I'm looking for a particularly skill-setted holding midfielder and it's not him. Now, that's what we're looking for as well. <laughs> so, if if Tuchel's uh, uh, willing to let Gravenberg go because he's not the kind of hold midfielder he wants, is he the kind of hold midfielder we want then? <laughs> but I suppose that, that, like Steve says, it's the worry, isn't it? If he's not getting a Bayern Munich, and um, you wonder, you wonder why, and you wonder whether he's getting at Liverpool. But some players just don't fit certain clubs. I suppose my bigger worry is that. If he came to Liverpool, he wouldn't be guaranteed. I mean, you look at that now. They've signed Endo, they've got McAllister, they've got Sabozlai. That's probably going to be your, your first choice midfield. And even if they sign another midfielder, unless unless they pull a complete rabbit out of a hat and buy someone even more high profile, Gravenberch, for example, wouldn't go straight into that midfield. So so would he would he have an issue with that? Will we start having him in a year's time getting his agent to start looking around new clubs? I mean, he's 21. He's got to accept that there's going to be some some learning to do, and and, and that doesn't mean playing every week. So that would be my bigger concern, other than him just not playing for Bayern Munich. But saying all that, he does seem to fit the profile. You do think he would? He's young. You do think he, he's adaptable. He might be able to play in a number of different positions. He might be able to play in that defensive midfield position as we. As as he grows, um, he can play attacking. It, look, it, it's a very very lazy comparison. Um, with him being Dutch and, and, and being a central player. But, you know, I think maybe Liverpool are thinking, is he is he going to be similar to Wijnaldum and the job that he did for them? And, and the fact that he could be quite versatile and play in three different positions. Well, more than that, couldn't he? But, but certainly in, in midfield. So he sort of fits the profile, but, I, but I'm desperate for Liverpool to buy a defender now. I think they, they really do need a, a left-sided defender. Um, and it, I, I'm really worried that if they don't, then we get middle of the season and you've got Kanate injured, you've got Matip injured, Gomez form up and down and we're talking about a bit of a defensive crisis. So I would like them to go out and buy another young defender that, that can play some first team games this year because, you know, Colwell would have been perfect, wouldn't he? But someone along those lines, because if they don't, I think they could be leaving themselves open to another problem next summer. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, personally, I think I think I think we definitely. I mean, 
it's easy. To, it's too early to call because Andos has just played. Uh, Andos has just come on for half an hour in the first game. But I just feel though, if we get another a, a Toram or a Decore from from Palace or someone like that who can go in, who has got the thing, then Endo has got a bit of a, a position to fight for, and also is a great backup. I think we need that because we haven't got anything else on the bench. Left side of centre is, is definitely on on the list, isn't it? Um, so about the kid from is being mentioned from uh, by Leverkusen, the uh, Piero Hencampe or Hencape or whatever his name is, but. A bit of a starlet. Uh, looks like he's a, he's a good, but we definitely need that left side, don't we? we? Definitely need some more cover at the back, don't we, Stephen? Because all this emphasis and spotlight has been on midfield, hasn't it? And we definitely want someone who's going to allow McAllister to roam forward and Zobber's lights to run around and get that little bit further up the field. Someone who can hold it in the centre, but we definitely need some cover at the back, don't we? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a difficult one, especially when. The, the midfield and the defence are sort of the same same prospects, really, aren't they? So if you've got two solid solid starters, if you get one injury, you're sort of fighting through the the, the bottom of the barrel now, aren't you? Know, not, not needless to say that that's not what Liverpool have got at the minute, but I think you've got to be proactive in their approach now. And instead of going or trying to plan next season for the, a new defender, try and get one this season so you can bed in and maybe have that transitional season this season. But then... Even if he is going through that transitional phase, you've sort of got someone who you can pin pin your hopes on, or at least a tried or trusted um, defender. But you need someone with a, a clean injury record, which Liverpool's defence definitely hasn't had in the last few months or seasons, in fact. Uh, but <laughs> the likes of the pair shares from Torino is being linked, but I don't think he necessarily fits the profile because he's a right-footed defender, I think. Um, but I think Liverpool have sort of got to make too quickly. They're going to need someone who is equally versatile like Gomez, who can sort of play on the the, um, the full-back position or in the central defensive role. So it's got to be done in the next 10 days or so now, isn't it? Maybe eight to eight days, but they've got to move fast and they can't leave themselves short and probably overspend in January, if not probably double what they're going to spend this summer as well. Well, judging by the handle, how they handled the last couple of transfer windows, um, I don't hold out much hope in that, to be honest with you. Um uh, another thing we mentioned, we should mention about Endo as well as he can play centre back, can't he? And has played centre back, so maybe yeah, yeah. one eye on on getting Endo was the fact that he's he's uh, he's just a really good player uh, on that uh, in centre mid, and also can drop back and and hopefully if we can try and grab a a, a really really strong holding midfielder, then we could have a little bit of cover for now in centre back with with Endo anyway, but. Um, it is a tricky one, isn't it? And we've just got to... It's that thing we talked about last time, didn't we, Joe, about Liverpool? And I think it was your comments. It was rightly made when you said that Liverpool are just a couple of little chess pieces away, aren't we? We've just... We've got... I mean, you know, we've got a front five there that would, would, that would, would terrify most teams. The problem is we need to at least the two behind, don't we? We need to start having people who can slot balls into them because, you know, you, you watch Salah and a lot of the time he's just... He's just on that wing and he's out the game and he's not really being used. And when he is, he's out wide and knocking the ball across again. And you know, you've got um Jota who works like a whole tirelessly, doesn't he? Comes deep, tries to get the ball. He's a great, great player. Gakpo's seem didn't seem to be doing much um against Bournemouth. It's just about finding that player that can unleash them, Joe, isn't it? It's just about balance, isn't it? I think for Liverpool now, it's just about balance and getting a couple more players in that. To settle things down and and hopefully growing over the course of the season. Uh, some of them, I, I think, I don't know. Maybe it was just the way the, the Liverpool team that I grew up with. But I always found that like 
you know, like the, the Juliers and Rafas of this world sort of got Liverpool solid enough, but they were never quite creative enough to go and win, win big games. And then they've got five players and, and they've always had this on the clock, but they've always got, they've always had players creative enough to win games. So if they can find a way of just balancing that out with controlling games a bit more, you know, with, with not conceding silly goals and at silly times, you know, you look at the Chelsea game and just, I think the next level up was to sort of, they, they, they started well, they scored a goal, they very nearly got a second and they were to the offside. And then, they just allowed themselves to retreat a bit and allowed Chelsea to score. And then from then on, um, it looked like Chelsea were going to get second until towards the end of the game. And and I think Liverpool, when they're at their best, when they won the league and when they, they challenged for the league, would have just taken the sting out of that game, controlled it, not allowed Chelsea so much possession, not allowed them territory, would have been more dominant from set pieces and, and, and sort of seen it out. Um, and I don't feel as worried about them going away from home and, and scoring goals now, but I do feel worried that they they will concede goals. So hopefully it's just over the course of the season, find a couple of players in the next nine days to sort of balance out the squad and then just them, them getting used to each other. Because I think it's going to be a, a time of that midfield, learning how each other plays, learning when one goes, when one stays, not trying. I mean, there's been a lot said this summer and I think Klopp said it himself, is that they just... They're constantly trying to go forward, aren't they? And they, they, they give the ball away by taking too many chances. So not taking so many chances um, and, and taking chances at the right time. So, you know, for me, if they can buy a couple of players and settle down, we could be seeing the, the makings of the next great Liverpool team. But if they get it wrong, then it could go the other way. So, um, But the, the, the front five gives me great hope that Liverpool are going to win some games and win some, some trophies because... You know, you look at you look at a team like Chelsea. Look how hard they are searching to 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 get forward players like that. The same goes for Newcastle. You know, Arsenal seems to have found the right the right balance. But yeah, if Liverpool have got that forward line, so if they can find the balance, big things could come. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. When you talk about the front five, Stephen, do you think that? Um... Do you think the Klopp really sort of approaches every team selection dependent on the opposition? Or do you think that um, in the case of Nunes, um, he's going to be benched for most of this season and and, and uh, because he just it just hasn't clicked for him yet? Do you think do you think he's going to spend a it's going to be a frustrating season for him? Do you think he's going to be starting any games, or do you think it's Klopp's in that situation where he thinks, well, I, I don't really trust his ability just yet? Um, and I wouldn't want to put him on. Um, instead of instead of uh, Jota, because let's be honest with you, I mean Salah and Diaz pretty much are on the team sheet, aren't they? So you've got one in the middle there, haven't you? Then so you've either got Gakpo, um, or he's playing behind in a, in a midfield role, and then you've got Jota in there. But Nunes does doesn't seem to be uh, somebody who's coming off the bench anytime soon, does he? It's, uh, do you think it's going to be one of them frustrating seasons for him, or do you think it's uh, he's going to be getting his chances? I hope it's not a frustrating season for him. Um, he's someone I've, I've warmed to very much so because he's just, you don't know what to expect from him. He's that sort of chaos that you want from your striker. It's just, I think there's maybe a few things he just needs to sort out. And in front of goal, I think when he first signed, at least, it was sort of like that Paul and Nunes comparison. I think maybe he should try and try and learn from some of Harlan's traits where he just sort of lingers around the six yard box. I hope it's not a frustrating season for him. Um, I just think with. With, um, with how he's going with Klopp, it's just it's difficult for him to sort of bed in 
I, I, I think he offers different aspects to what the likes of um, the likes of Gakpo and Jota do. But I think Liverpool have got to have got to rest the hopes on him, and he, he can bring them something that the um, they might they necessarily have. Yeah, now just let uh, Stephen go and put that fire out. Um, what do you, <laughs> what, what do you think? Uh, the smoke behind your head, Stephen. I'm joking. Ginger there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? It's, it's, it's actually a light beaming off your ginger hair and, and start to spark. Um, what did? Uh, what do you think yourself, Joe? I mean, we've talked about this, haven't we? And we re- no, there's not a Liverpool fan. I, I don't know who doesn't want that lad to go absolutely ballistic. Um, you know, every time he gets hold of the ball with the goal in front of him, you just you're willing it. Yeah. Do you just feel at the moment that he still has to try and prove something to get that first team sheet thing? Uh, because you've in Jotty, you've got someone who can who can run around for for seventeen, eighteen minutes and then just pull two goals out the back. Haven't he? he he just seems to be able to do something, doesn't he? And yeah. it's a tricky one because Nunes, we know how dangerous he is, but at the moment it looks like he's unleashing him towards the end of a match to try and get to either salvage something or or, or try and frighten the opposition, but. Do you think do you, do you see that from the start? Yeah, I mean it's difficult, isn't it? My worry now is does Klopp fully trust him? And I don't think he does at the moment. And I think he's gonna to have to put a lot of work and improve his English. It's clearly that's clearly been been an issue in the past to get Klopp to fully trust him. Um, you know, I I'm not like Jota. I find it a weird one because I'm not Jota's biggest fan in terms of his overall play. Sometimes he does work hard. But sometimes I think he's so sloppy with the ball. He he, he loses it in poor areas. He, he He's always looking to go forward. But then he does score goals. You know, every single game, he seems to pop up in the right place. And and you take him out of the team and you lose that. So, so, so Jota, I think, isn't always the best with the ball. But but Nunes, I think, probably isn't scoring enough to, to justify his inclusion and justify losing the ball and, and perhaps not being as good on it. Um, but I, it's one of them, you know, I think... I hope over the course of the season he adapts. We start seeing him play some football, and I just hope that he settles down. You know, you hear one or two things after the game that perhaps he wasn't too happy about not being used for long at the weekend. But I just hope that that doesn't get in his head, and I hope he doesn't either lose confidence or get annoyed. I think he just has to accept that he's a very difficult club to to force your way in. That they've got some good forwards. And when he does get a chance to take it, you know, you look at the end of the Chelsea game and he comes on, he does cause some chaos. He wasn't bad, but the, he was presented with a chance, wasn't he, late on when their goalkeeper made a mistake. And he, he just took a poor touch and, and didn't quite use it. And you're hoping that as the, as the course of the season goes, he, he, he sort of takes those chances and, and, and is sharp when he comes on. So I don't know. Um, I'd like to see him start a game. I just don't see where that comes just yet. Because I don't think you'd be dropping him. Even at the weekend, if I'm going to make a change, just putting Gakpo back in the front three, it's not bringing Nunes in. So um, he's got to grab his chance when he gets it and, and try and keep himself in the team. But it's tough to do. Diaz is playing very well and, and so is Salah. He's scoring goals and, and assists. And, and the, the other two seem to have the, the central position locked down. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we've got Newcastle coming up the weekend, Steve, and our four kickoff. And you're not going to be taking any chances there, are you? This is a real test for Liverpool. This is a team that's spent heavily themselves, but they've done it wisely. I don't think you can you can put Newcastle in the same bracket as the Man Cities and the Man Uniteds and the Chelsea's of this world. They've made some quite astute signings and some quite low-key signings. There's also a mixture of of old school there as well. So it, it, he's took his time, hasn't he? And 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 really getting 
what Joe said before, he's really seems to be getting a balance right at Newcastle. But it'll be a real test, Stephen, won't it? And these are the kind of tests that Liverpool will have to raise their game for. Hopefully, with the endo sign, and we've got that little bit of stability at the back, and we can show a different side, get someone to mop them a little bit up with a bit of help from the, from McAllister as long as Lara, and then get get on that front foot because um, if that balance is right at that weekend, that's going to be some game, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive game. I think, obviously, there's no six-pointers this early in the season, but I think it's, it's going to be a real acid test and it's going to test how serious Liverpool are, especially to be back in the top four. Yeah, but just going back on to, to, to Nunes, before I get interrupted by another fire alarm, I think I think, I think that that's probably the perfect game for Nunes because he scored against them last season. You've got the likes of Byrne and you've got um, Botman as well at the back. I think they could be they could be challenged with, with, um, with Nunes, whereas maybe Jota might just be easy to sort of push off, whereas... Nunes is a bit like that fly, isn't he? Where you can't seem to get rid of on a summer afternoon. It's just one of them things. And I think these teams, especially Chelsea, they're maybe not at the point where Liverpool are going to be testing themselves against a top four team. But with how Newcastle have spent, they've started well. The uh, I, I think they're a team who are going to be not quietly challenging anymore. They're a team who are very much right there in your face. And I think Tonali showed he, he's had a decent start. And I think when he first signed 50 million, everyone was scoffing and laughing to say, who spent 50 million on this guy? But he, he sort of proved it. I think for Liverpool, I think they've, they've just got to be business as usual. You'd hope Endo provides that stability in the field. And it just depends on what sort of from from five or six you've got now. But it's it's, it's a tough one for Klopp. But I think it's one to get right. And I think we can probably rest on a bit of what we've seen against um, Newcastle last season, albeit um, Nick Pope got sent off for that handball. But I think Liverpool are a team that these sort of teams get up for and Liverpool are well aware the teams do that. They just need to sort of show it now. Yeah, they're a very fast side, Joe, aren't they? They're a very attacking side, but they're very quick as well, aren't they? They've got some really quick players. Um, Going to be a tough one, mate. But, I mean, Stephen makes a point there. It's a weird start with Nunes. Get that little what's been the picnic effect where he's just a bit of a nuisance. You can't get shut off and, and then and then have jotted in reserve or is it or is it something where you, you, you stick to what, what you hope is going to be a more solid lineup? He scored there last season, didn't he, Nunes? So I, it's one of them. It, it's a, it would be a massive risk, but it could pay off. Um, I'd be tempted to start Gakpo in the front three and keep Salah and, and Diaz either side of him. But I mean, you know, I, I, they're a certain side of Newcastle because I, I sort of had them down as this quite solid, gnarly like side that sort of grinds it out and, and, and upsets you. But but they haven't kept a clean sheet. I don't think. Since early in the year, they do concede goals. You know, I, I, my main thing is managing the crowd on Sunday because I think the crowd's going to be well up for it. They're, they're going to be up for this season. Liverpool arrival early doors. They, they like to turn us over. So if Liverpool can start the game like they did at Chelsea, I'll be pretty confident because I think if Liverpool can just quiet the crowd down early doors, if they can keep the ball, if they can create some chances and just show Newcastle that they're a level above, and I still think they are. I know they finished behind Newcastle in the table last season, but I think overall quality of the, the team, they're still a level above Newcastle. Um, they just had a poor season. And I think if they can they can show that and quiet the crowd and just show Newcastle that they're a better team, I think they can they can um they can win the game. But I think if they let Newcastle have a fast start, they'd be in trouble. Um and that's with Nunes. Just don't know whether he's the type of player that's going to help you try and have a fast start because I think he's a bit all over the place. I don't know. I don't know. It's really tough. I'd, I'd start Gakpo because I think he keeps the ball a bit better. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's vital, Stephen, that, we, that we, we get out of this little rut that we've been in for a while. I've just turning over possession too easily. I mean, there's, you know, it's either over hitting a pass or hitting a pass not quite there, or, you know, and then, and then we've done that. And it's a very unclocked thing to do and it must be really frustrating. But um, it's one thing we've definitely got to do is start keeping hold of the ball, getting hold of it better um, and working with it better. All right, Stephen, a, a, um, a prediction for the weekend, sir. Liverpool, um, Newcastle. I've got a feeling there's not going to be any nils involved. Um, so, where Stephen first, what do you think? The Reds, uh, big test in James's Park, but are we up for it? I think we should be, yeah. Um, it's like, like you said, Liverpool sort of need to be calm and composed and maybe take the sting out of the um, the crowd first five minutes. If uh, Liverpool do that, possibly an early goal, I think they probably have the, the jitters, and I think we may see another 3 1 win. Mr. Rimmer. Bold. Um, I think I'm going to go for two-two, uh, and I actually think that's quite a decent result. I think I think for Liverpool, if they can get out of these first three games um, with two pretty tough away games, I mean, a lot was made of the performance at Chelsea, but I, ultimately, I thought away at Stamford Bridge, it's always tough, isn't it? So if they can get out of the first three games unbeaten, then I think they they're, they're set up quite nicely. So I think you're right. Then there'll be goals. I'm going to go two-two. Yeah, I was leaning towards 2-2, but you stole me thunder there, Joe. I'm going to go 3-2 because I feel like we are in that mad kind of phase again, aren't we? Like you said, the restructuring phase where um, we're going to score and we're going to and we're going to concede as well. I saw that, uh, somebody put a thing on Twitter the other day, which was just a little bit of a glory look back at, at, at just how potent Salah, Firmino and, and Mane were um, as a front three. And boy, oh boy, I, I tried to find the clip last night, but you know when you're on some of the platforms, you leave it two hours and it's... It's gone down the timeline, but man alive, it was like somebody playing FIFA in their bedroom. It was it was back flicks, it was flick ons, it was just remarkable. I think we we should always have one eye um on the fact that we've been very, very, very spoiled with that team we had, and it's gonna take a while to get anywhere near the kind of balance and potency of uh, of uh, of that front three that we had. Uh, we only have one of that front three left, of course, but we have replaced very, very well. And hopefully um, Sunday is going to uh, provide us with another three points. Mr. Rimmer, Mr. Killen, thank you very much. Um, good debut, that, Stephen. You'll be, no doubt you'll be back. Appreciate that. I'll be applauding the cop tonight. Solid debut, considering you had a fire alarm go off. Yeah, solid debut. Not many people could handle that. I don't think you're supposed to eat your beans up on a campfire in the office, though, Stephen. So I checked the the regs on that one um, thanks Joe River thanks Steve Killen much appreciated lads I'll see you soon uh, that is it for another Poetry in Motion the Mighty Reds take on Newcastle at St James's Park and just a little bit more balance as Joe says and, and maybe one or two more little chess pieces and we will be good to go we're doing alright so anyway four points out of six you can't complain of that we will join you all on the next Poetry in Motion uh, until then take care up the Reds You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.